0: Good LAFC faithful keepers of the black and gold. And of course, to the millions and millions of defenders of the bank listeners in 109 countries and counting, we just went back to back in the Western Conference. But as Philly and I will remind you, this entire podcast, jobs not Done. You know my voice. It's the scarf. At least what's left of my voice. Philly and I, our voices are running on fumes. It's scarf in front of the semi-famous scarf wall, Lawndale, California. Let's go. Sitting directly to my right on the internet, but in world-famous Philly Monster Studios in beautiful Burbank, California, I give you one Christian Philly. Philly, Monster. Hello, Los Angeles. Hello, lovers of Major League Soccer.
1: Hello, fans of the beautiful game. You already alluded to them one time before, but heck, we're going to be jovial. Once again, greetings to the millions.
0: And millions.
1: Of defenders, of the bank listeners. It's not just our voices that are going scarf. Our Whoa. energy levels are, they have been flowed as we were at BMO Stadium for, geez, at this point, 11 hours. 11 hours on the day, but it was fantastic. Once again, we could lay claim to the fact that we are the best. Well, not yet. The best in the West. And after next week in Ohio, we can potentially lay claim once again to being the best in MLS. And, uh... We've had a great time. You obviously had a good time watching this game, whether it was at home or at BMO Stadium. And we are here to recap this fantastic victory by LAFC, Western Conference champions yet again. And to those of you out there, whether you be internal, meaning LAFC supporters, whether you be external, non-LAFC supporters, this goes to all the doubters and the haters This game is for you. Count us out, but we're going to kick the crap out of Columbus, and we're going to do things. I love it. I'm losing my voice. Game number
0: 52 (laughs) on the season. That is a full deck of cards, folks, and we have certainly played a full deck of games, 52 games on the season, and it will be game number 53 that will decide it all just in case you were wondering, I haven't gone and done the numbers on Columbus yet, but this was only game number forty-five, seven fewer games on the season for the Houston Dynamo. Despite them winning U.S. Open Cup, by the way, they still haven't played nearly as many matches as we have over <laughs> the course of this season. And Philly, I, I'm going to say something that might ri- r- ruffle, rifle, ruffle. It might ruffle the feathers. Of those Columbus crew fans that listen, and we do appreciate all of you uh, in the black and yellow, not black and gold, black and yellow, that listen to us over in Columbus. LAFC, because of their defense, has made things look pretty easy, uh, especially in this match. Look, I-, I don't remember more than two chances, two, over the course of this entire match that looked threatening and there were still no banners today. That is very true. Uh, I don't remember Philly two chance more than two chances that looked threatening. Moreover, we're we're gonna talk a whole lot about this defense, but I, I want to remind everybody out there we just won a game two nothing and Denny Bowanga, even though he led the team in shots with six and shots on target with two, Denny Bowanga did not score and we looked pretty good in beating Houston the way we did.
1: Imagine this right here. I'm going to paint a really quick scenario for you. It's not exactly going to be the the game recap or anything like that, but imagine me being LAFC. This is about the only thing I had that was orange. This Reese's uh, peanut butter cup thing. Okay, so bear with me one second. I'm LAFC. Okay. This is Houston. This
0: is Philly with props.
1: We just ate Houston for dinner. And by the way, thank you, Franco Escobar, forever. (laughs) Black and gold, his own goal. Sealed the deal for us. And in a beautiful, poetic kind of way, a lot of LAFC players scored today. For the Columbus crew, for the Houston Dynamo, and of course for LAFC and the fact that we are back in the Western conference finals, this is awesome. It feels freaking good. The only thing that kind of sucks about it is the fact that we don't have the opportunity to enjoy it at home. And I can tell you this a flight to Columbus and a ticket for this game might turn out to still be cheaper than what a lot of us paid for the, <laughs> the MLS Cup finals in LA. We're back in the finals, baby. Holy Toledo. We are back in the finals where we belong And for those who forgot about us, who doubted us again, I I can't help but bring this up again, Scarf. So many people counted us out. So many people thought that Dolos should be fired. So many people thought that this team's washed up, that they can't win the big one. For you, for all of you, get off our lawn. Western Conference champions in Columbus, we're coming for you, baby. Lower.com will be buried, buryyou.com at the end of things.
0: Okay. I want to remind you it is not Holy Toledo. It's Holy Columbus. We are playing in Columbus, Ohio, not Toledo in this next match. That's Toledo, uh look, bottom line folks. Oh, did we lose a Philly? There he is. He's back. Uh, bottom line folks. We got to pay our bills real quick. We just want to want to remind everybody that we are part of the flex family and folks, it is already Sunday, December 3rd at 1237 in the morning. And Leaves only about four weeks or so to get that lifetime warranty on anything you buy over at FlexPowerTools.com. Of course, the official sponsor of Defenders of the Bank as well as, of course, the front of kit sponsor for your soon-to-be back-to-back defending MLS Cup champion Los Angeles football club. So please head on over to FlexPowerTools.com for all your power, tools, needs. I want to remind everybody that the Mo Fascio futsal court fundraiser is still going on. LAFC.com backslash Mo hyphen And of course, the countdown to the pinnacle of soccer learning has begun. The 2024 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Anaheim is coming up soon, and it is not just an event, it's an experience. This year features some of the biggest names in soccer, including Leonard Griffin from Calmen Soccer, Carla Thompson of the San Diego Wave, and Randy Waldrum, the head coach of Nigeria's women's national team. You can engage in immersive field sessions that cover contemporary topics from transition tactics and modern play to the evolution of goalkeeper training which again maxime crapaud could lead a master class in the business of soccer thrives within the exhibit hall showcasing hundreds of international brands and the opportunity to network with industry leaders and oh by the way one christian philemon and one scarf jr Liebert. special offer don't forget uh there's a promo code over on the website check that out for the 2024 united soccer coaches convention so you can get in for just $425. Uh, Prices will rise after December 13th. Again, United Soccer Coaches Convention down in Anaheim. We will be on media row, on podcast row, and we want to thank them for allowing us to go to that. It's a lot of fun. It won't only just
1: be us on media, I mean, we'll be uh, at the Anaheim Convention Center on Saturday for an MASL exhibition game between the Empire Strikers and the San Diego Sockers. Yours truly will be on the call for that. So that uh, the cost for the U.S. Coaches Convention gets you the opportunity to go check that game out as well. And as I've said on a couple of occasions, I went to the Coaches Convention in Kansas City a couple of years ago. It was fantastic. There were so many unbelievable breakout sessions. And if this is your profession, your debate, whether or not to make it your profession. Um, it, there's a lot of valuable resources, a lot of valuable sessions, and a lot of outstanding talent that's going to be there uh, presiding over some of these sessions. And plus you get to hang out with us. That's that's worth the cost of admission, I would say. So make sure you check it out. Again, prices are going to go up 425 dollars 25 considering with like the uh, entire intellectual capital that's going to be on display at Anaheim. That's a steal. So we hope to see you in Anaheim in January.
0: Want to give a quick shout out to the chat. You guys are incredible and already super active. It is 12:30 in the morning, y'all. And yeah. we got Mendo, we got Ruben, we got J. David Wallace, we got Anthony, we got everybody who's normally in our chat. We love you guys. Thank you, thank you. Soccer USA Gomez and Tonio Hernandez love you so much. You guys, this is is an incredible, incredible celebration that we get to do right now. Again, Western conference champs back to back. Let's get into a very quick this day in LFC history and news and notes. And then it's time to talk about it, baby. This day in LFC history, this game occurred on December 2nd. And on December 2nd, what? What the heck is that? What did you go? What are you? Did you go to Kimbob Rex or what are you eating right now?
1: I'm eating ice cream.
0: Oh, you eating ice cream? I could. You eat ice cream. cream when you celebrate. It's like absolutely, cake, but honestly, hey. sticks are incredible. Uh, Twelve to nineteen ninety five. Happy birthday to L A F C legend Ricky Lopez Espin, who was drafted by L A F C in the twenty nineteen waiver draft, but never suited up and played for the black and gold. H- happy birthday, Ricky! I think he's now a commentator for. One of the one of the networks, I see him all the time on there. He's uh he's turned a very mediocre playing career into a rather nice commenting career. So there you go. Uh, news and notes. Philly mentioned That's it. Familiar, yeah. <laughs> Philly mentioned it. Diego Rossi scoring the equalizer in the 86th minute. Christian Ramirez the winner in the 115th minute of the Eastern Conference Final to give us our opponent, the Columbus crew, coming back from 2-0 down in the Hell is Real Eastern Conference Final. All right, we've seen Christian Ramirez score in back-to-back games. Diego Rossi now scoring here as well. The matchup is set, people. I know, Philly, you're bummed because you got some uh, one of your best friends over there in Cincinnati who we thought we might be hanging out with him when it was 2-0 in the 85th minute. Or excuse me. 2-1 in the 85th minute. Uh, either way, uh, bum for your buddy Murphy, but uh, we're going to Columbus, bud. Yeah.
1: Gutted for my buddy Murphy. He sent me photos over at the stadium, and I was thinking we'd have the opportunity to go to Cincinnati. <clears throat> Jeez, I really am losing my voice. That's fantastic, because in about eight hours, I have to be at Mount SAC College. to call the first of two games for the 3C2A <laughs> state championships. I don't know how the heck I'm going to do it, but Cheers to uh, this magic elixir that they call uh, Cristalino. (laughs) I I, I can't believe that Cincinnati blew a two-goal lead. If you look at who scored, Vasquez and Acosta, they're two best players, and they give up three goals to Columbus. Look, Columbus was a dangerous team going into the game regardless, but 2-0 in Cincinnati. No, I'm gutted. Like I understand this feeling all too well. So my heart goes out to my buddy Murphy, My wallet, unfortunately, is going to probably end up in Columbus. I thought we might get to save a dollar or two hanging out with one of my bestest friends in the whole world. But alas, we'll end up having to shell out money for a flight scarf, money for a scarf, uh, money for a flight. God, it's been a long day. Money for a flight, money for a hotel. But yet again, I'm still pretty convinced that collectively it'll be a lot cheaper than what we paid for our finals tickets last season.
0: No, I hear that. Let's do a very quick check in on Jose C. Fuentes. On November 30th, he started and played the full 90 in a 1-1 Europa League draw against Cypriot side Aris Limassol. He still has yet to contribute to a goal in any way, shape, or form for Rangers, and they are giving it to him on the internet right now, but we'll see how that goes the rest of the season. All right. There was a lot, a lot wrapped up into this match at BMO Stadium tonight. First of all, 32-52 3252 telling Apple TV no 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 you're going to wait to start this match my friends we're going to we're going to pop some flares that you know may or may not be legal we're going to show another wonderful tifo this time the crest uh even before the match some Houston hooligans lighting all those fireworks in the middle of Christmas tree lane and causing the cops to come over i mean i it was crazy how quickly these Houston fans lit all the fireworks and then ran away and then forced all the LAFC fans to deal with the aftermath. I mean, that that was a bit of a surprise from you guys there in Houston. I, I expect better of you because it certainly wasn't any of the LAFC fans on Christmas tree lane. That's for sure. But Philly, what an atmosphere it was. It, it was a little tense as we all got out there in the morning. But as the as the day rolled on and we got closer and closer to kickoff, man, it felt better and better and better before kickoff. Yeah, it
1: was certainly a different kind of a feel. It's yeah. as if we kind of like that, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. We're back to school after, you know, winter recess kind of a scenario. It wasn't, it didn't flow into the day as naturally as it normally did. It was really weird. I, and obviously, I say that because we had a, a three week break in between rounds, which I hope to God that they don't continue on to do these types of things. Last year, we had already been champions for a month at yeah. this point in the calendar year. You said it. We played over 50 games. You get to the point, and it's not just ourselves. Honestly, it's, it's a lot of the staff. It's a lot of the players as well. It just got to the point where it's like the season was just way too long and way too drawn out. So in a way, I absolutely love that the flares were popped by the 3252 to piss off whoever it is at Apple TV or whatever the case may be. I'm glad the game got delayed. And the, what I'm going to be curious about is what the optics are going to be. Who's going to Photoshop the flares out? When the game started, and obviously we're not going to get into the game recap right now. Normally we go live. And like I talk a little bit, you know, that's just something like we do every single game. And I didn't realize that the game hadn't started. I all of a sudden I saw a, a ball coming to play, and I was like, "We are underway." And then I realized, "Wait, but there's another ball getting played on the other end." Does the ref not see that? Next thing you know, like I saw four or five different balls running on the pitch of BMO Stadium. But that smoke was a uh, pretty thick, man. It reminded me of New York City in the late 1980s, early 90s. And I've jokingly said I don't trust air I can't see. Uh, I saw plenty of air. Today, as did we all.
0: Yeah. And Kim Caldwell Harvey, or I guess it's just Kimberly Harvey now, uh, absolutely crushing the American national anthem. If she's going to sing it that well, she's got to be able to at least follow it up with Oh Canada. Why not? I don't care. She was incredible. Kimberly Harvey, uh, of course, Jordan Harvey's wife, um, but an incredible singer in her own right and all all kinds of uh, fingerprints in the music industry. She was unreal. The Tifo was unreal. And we, we all kind of thought collectively when they announced the starting lineups, I noticed that other than Denny Bawanga, who obviously has been the most lethal striker in Major League Soccer this season, one of the most lethal strikers in the world, something was a little different when they announced the two names of number 14, Giorgio Chiellini, but then especially the last name that was announced, your captain, number 10, Carlos Vela. Because I think we all, especially at the way that he came off the pitch, Philly, but more so uh, able to celebrate him before as well. I think we all kind of understand and see the writing on the wall. I think this might be it for Carlos Philly, especially the way he came off. But if we're going to leave him at BMO Stadium, we're not going to leave him a loser. And today, LAFC certainly did everything they needed to do to send him out a winner at home.
1: I don't know how many of y'all actually go out of your way to listen to the press conferences. And normally we post those at times we, we do that's, that's not been very consistent. I'll go out there and see if I can, you know, depending on how long this podcast is, I, I gotta be up in a few hours. I gotta be honest with you. It's already given me anxiety, but I, uh if you have the opportunity to listen to the Steve Chirondolo interview, he actually got asked that question about his feelings about this potentially being Carlos Vela's final game. And if you kind of read in between the lines, although it was cryptic and he obviously didn't show all his cards and you can you, you could accuse him all you want. He could all, he'll lay claim to the fact that I never said this. There were clues that Steve gave in the press conference post game interview where he alluded to the fact that this probably is going to be not only the end of Carlos Vela's career at LAFC, but we may be looking at the retirement of Giorgio Chiellini as well. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Scarve and I looked at each other after Steve got done chatting and we're like, they're both done. That was way too obviously cryptic. Yeah. But yeah. if you can find those interviews, go ahead and listen to them. If not, I'll do my best and get them out to you, whether it be later on tonight, a.k.a. this morning, or at some point going into Monday morning. The Steve Cherundolo press conference. Oh my God. The press conference is the reason why we're even doing this so late is because we had to sit through like seven, eight different people being interviewed, but I would definitely listen <laughs> to that one. If you have the opportunity and you DM us, let us know what you think based on what Steve said. We already arrived at the conclusion that this potentially is the, uh, the retirement, the Swan song for Giorgio and Carlos. And yes, Hopefully we could uh, get them another ring, a second star, and uh, let them ride off into the sunset. Heroes, winners, and kings of Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, Philly, the question he was asked was about Carlos Vela, and he goes, yeah, I'm trying to put off those feelings about Carlos Vela to the side, and, you know, Carlos. And then he brought up Giorgio unprovoked. And I was like, God damn it. (laughs) Don't don't love Giorgio into that, too, because that means – come come on, Scarf. You would
1: imagine it would have been Giorgio before Carlos –
0: Listen, Giorgio is still the best defender at Major League Soccer right now. That's for sure. All right. Stark, you're
1: barely older than Giorgio. <laughs> that's,
0: that's actually true. Uh, let's get into it. LAFC taking on Houston. Houston. Are you kidding me? Who is this idiot named Eric? Uh, we can. We'll get. We'll get. Really, ready buddy? In. Really? Hey, really this is uh, what you're going to write? Really? Don't. 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 You're even. lucky
1: you're not in front of me, homeboy. I would turn you into a pretzel.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, put, there we go. I I took care of it. All right. We we won't give him any, we won't give him any, uh, any airtime every now and then we get idiots on the chat, but that's okay. Uh, speaking of, uh, people that did not have such a good night, like that guy, Eric in our chat right now, Ben Olson, an MLS legend in his own right in every way, shape and form. Actually, if, if they do one day have an MLS hall of fame, Ben Olson will no doubt be the first uh, first uh, ballot inductee, the 1998 MLS Rookie of the Year the 1999 MLS Cup MVP, a best 11 selection, a two-time All-Star selection. He won two MLS Cups as a player, two Supporter Shields as a player, one U.S. Open Cup win as a player, and the former longtime coach of the D.C. United as well. Uh, his first season with the Houston Dynamo and a very intriguing interview after the match where he reportedly said it was pretty easy to break down LAFC's initial pressure, which must be nice to say when you lose a game 2-0. He definitely did have a lot to say tonight. Uh, Unfortunately, his 4-2-3-1 did not do well against LAFC. A player who we are very familiar with, Manning the Pipes, is goalkeeper Steve Clark, who got booed relentlessly by the 22,000 at BMO Stadium. Uh, The back line consisted of the former Indiana Hoosier, and I have to mention it every time because Philly will bring it up if I don't, Griffin Dorsey. Uh, You got Eric Sviachenko, Mikael, and our buddy Franco Escobar. More on him in a little bit. He scored a Philly goal today. And if you don't know what a Philly goal is, stick around to the 80th minute. (laughs) In the midfield, they had Artur and a best 11 selection, the former captain of L3. And a man who had 17 Major League Soccer assists this season, Ace Ace Hector Herrera, is as good as it gets in Major League Soccer. And we saw that very quickly in the first half. And on the front line, Coca Carasquilla, Amine Bassi, Nelson Quinones, and up top with 14 goals and eight assists on the season, according to Transfer Market, Corey Baird. Now, he wasn't the leading scorer, but he was awfully close. And yes, that is former LAFC striker, in air quotes, Corey Baird. Oh. In the 18, Aliyah Ibrahim, Teenage Hadebe, Tor Ulferson, Sebastian Kowalczyk, and Brad Smith, BYU. Those are your <laughs> <in> Dynamo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brad Smith, BYU. You need to let the millions.
0: And millions
1: know exactly what you're referencing it's quite funny actually
0: if you guys haven't seen key and peels east west shrine game or college bowl or whatever it is they go through all the different names i mean le carpatron duke marriott is probably my favorite one but uh the very last guy who they name is dan smith byu so every time we read brad smith it makes me think of dan smith byu le carpatron duke marriott
1: hilarious hilarious before i get into the lafc starting lineup i did want to mention something cuz yeah. i i honestly felt really bad and really guilty about it and i addressed it with them uh during the tailgate this here uh tumbler <laughs> it um it went airborne at the conclusion of yesterday's one more sleep i really got into the moment and I felt really bad initially based on Scarf's reaction and, of course, just my realizations as to what I did. Uh, Miguel and Anna, who so graciously created this beautiful, beautiful Tumblr that had my sayings about the we are the MLS Cup raising, yada, yada, yada. The, uh, the, the, the platinum colored haired flamingo, the Defenders of the Bank logo, the broadcaster. I threw the sucker like past my shoulder. And it hit ground. And when I saw Scarf's reaction, I kind of freaked out because I realized, oh, my God, I hope they didn't think I was being disrespectful because this is honestly the most used item in my kitchen, period. This thing's gone with me everywhere. Every game I've called, every for the most part, every podcast that we've done since then, this has been with me. So, again, from the bottom of my heart, if there was any disrespect, I'm sorry. I love this thing, and it's intact and I'm drinking from it right now. Uh, it's got Topo Chico. It's Topo Chico, so I just wanted to make sure that you knew that. Much love. Anyway, I digress. Back into the LAFC starting lineup. Look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and I'm glad that they didn't do that. They stuck with the same exact lineup that they employed against the Seattle Sounders last week at Lumen Field. Uh, obviously, the same formation of 4-3-3 in between the pipes. Maxime Cripo, you had Cheeky Palacios, who – this could potentially also be the last time we see Cheeky Palacios. Yeah. I know there's vultures swarming over LAFC wanting him. He has gone unnoticed in so many ways and unrecognised in so many awards categories. Matt Miazga, the Defender of the Year, the only award that he should get is for being the bonehead of the year, breaking in, not breaking in, but going into a referee's locker room an hour at the end after the end of the game and making a comment somewhere along the lines of like finding their bodies in like a river. Matt Miaska, how dumb can you honestly be? You win the Bonehead of the Year Award, without a doubt. Chiqui Palacios should be the Defender of the Year. Anyway, Giorgio Chiellini, Jesus David Maria, your center backs, and uh, a man who just tied Graham Zuzzi. For the number of goals as a defender in Major League Soccer, number 24, fear the stash, Ryan Holling said. Your midfield consisting of Timothy Tillman, who had some beautiful passes early on in the game, Ilya Sanchez, whose hair continues to get longer than the eye can see, and, of course, Kellen Acosta, who, without a doubt, is the most fashionable male on LAFC. Up top, you had the chaos bringer, Kike Oliveira. You had El Rey, Carlos Vela. And you had the number four score globally in the year of 2023, Denny Bawanga. Fantastic starting lineup. Uh, Scarf, I, I'm sorry, I forgot. Did you talk about the bench? I did not talk about okay, the cool. LAFC then, then I, then I will Then I will forego it. That is the lineup that Steve Cherundolo chose, your 4-3-3. And that is the formation that brought us to the Western Conference Championship. Let's get into the game.
0: Yeah, and before we go to the game breakdown, I was thinking about this, Philly, as I was preparing for the match. LAFC has not done us any favors these last two matches, Philly, in terms of having exciting game breakdowns. <laughs> Mainly because our defense has been so good over these last, not just, by the way, 180 minutes. No, no, no. Uh, after this match, Maxime Cropo is writing a 367-minute shutout streak. 367 minutes. But these are going to be, normally we go minute by minute. There's a blow-by-blow blow recap. I mean, there's, there's just action, action, action. LAFC has absolutely taken the air out of the ball. I, I wrote in my notes at one point for like 10 minutes, it was just kind of a back and forth. Okay. You can have possession, but you're not going to do anything with it. Like at Ryan Hollings said, by the way, went in pretty good, right? Another on, good
1: interview. A lot of good sound bites there
0: where he was saying, look, you can have possession all you want, but when you don't do anything with it, it doesn't matter. So to be perfectly honest, after the first dozen minutes or so, it's a pretty boring half But let's talk about it anyway, because Carlos Vela almost took the roof off of BMO Stadium in the second minute as Timothy Tillman springing Carlos Vela right in the middle of the park and Carlos doing his best old Christian Ramirez impersonation, somehow putting it off the crossbar from inside the box. And you know, especially with what might be looming for Carlos, you know he wanted to score one more at BMO. Unfortunately, he couldn't do it. And just a couple minutes later, he actually does score, but it's because he's well offside when the pass gets to him. So while it should be one nothing, maybe even two nothing on a better pass, we are five minutes in, six minutes in, and nothing going. But luckily, we had Maxime Cropo between the pipes. No,
1: you're right. And I really wanted to real quick recognize Jesus David Murillo because he did have the interception on that errant pass by Amin Basi that led to that thrilling, thrilling threading of the needle by Timothy Tillman. You're right. I wanted that for Carlos more than anything. It was a bummer. But in that seventh minute. You had Aceh Ace who had a brilliant cross into the 18 and it just connects with the foot of Corey Baird and Maxine Crippot gets his paw on it. That was without a doubt the most and honestly probably the, the final biggest threat and buildup that the Houston Dynamo had. And it really did set a positive tone. Obviously, a Carlos Vela goal would have really set a positive tone. But when you have Maxime Cropot doing his thing in between the pipes, you said it. We haven't been scored upon since game one of the playoffs against Vancouver, where we already blew him out 5-2. to That's a lot of minutes without conceding a goal. And to think, right? Not even that many games before that, Maxime Cropot just got himself back into the lineup scarf. I I anticipated having a couple of games where he would be kind of iffy. Yeah. He picked up right where he left off from last season. And that just goes to show you how hard he worked and what a professional he is because for him to get back to the world-class level that he got to, and yes, in fact, he is world-class. The Canadian international team seems to think so, so that by itself indicates that he's world-class. He has just been outstanding for us, and he kept us in this game early on.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, look, you and I saw him when he was playing with LAFC 2 where he got a couple matches under his belt there, and he definitely looked a little shaky, um, so he was able to play out of it. But Maxime Cropo has absolutely been the best keeper in the second half of the season uh, since he came back from his injury. In the 12th minute, Carlos Vela sprung, but a great save by Steve Clark from the left side. Uh, leads us to a corner kick. Vela took the corner kick, and uh, it wound up just being recycled back out, played for another corner. Nothing happened. And and really, to be perfectly honest, not a whole lot happens through, like, the next 30 minutes. It was such a boring half. Carlos Vela fouling Ace Ace. He got Steve Clark on the ground because, you know, he, I don't know, had a blade of grass in his shoe, something. I mean, it it was a really bland first half after those 12 minutes until a Carlos Vela corner kick. He's not going to get credit for an assist, folks, but it is absolutely because of Carlos Vela that we are able to put the ball in the back of that 44th minute. Philly, the details on this beautiful set-piece goal. Beautiful indeed, and
1: there's a, there's a little bit of irony in, in how this even occurred. The reason why we even had the opportunity – to have Carlos Vela utilize his left foot on a corner, (laughs) forever black and gold. That corner kick was conceded, the corner was conceded by Franco Escobar. That's what led to Carlos Vela's opportunity to have that. And Carlos Vela, look, the guy's an assassin. If anything we could argue is like, maybe he doesn't have, not maybe, he's not the same player, but the guy still has some freaking dead accuracy. He put it in a really good spot. Giorgio Chiellini. Uh. Got it deflected. Oh. It deflected off of him. Nothing happened. But then it just came by way. Ryan Hollingshead was in the right place at the right time. And he scores another playoff goal. I believe this is his third playoff goal Yep. in the postseason. I mean, he's kind of neck and neck with Denny in that respect. (laughs) And I mean, it was, it was beautiful. He jokingly said, yeah, I got goals too, but like, I don't score them as beautifully as Denny Bawanga does. And he had some really interesting insight having indicated the fact that he's been in the league for a long time, as has Steve Clark, who was once a member of the Portland Timbers. And he mentioned the fact that Steve uh, in those positions in corner kicks, he does not like to move from his line. He likes to hold his line. And as a result of that, the, his tendency could be to a fumble a ball as it goes loose into the box, and that's an opportunity to strike. And with that wherewithal and that intelligence that Ryan Hollings had had, he found himself in the right place at the right time, and we get our first goal. And uh, fear the stash, baby. Fear the stash.
0: Yeah, it was a great initial save on Giorgio there by Steve Clark, but nothing he could do as Ryan. I mean, he saw it all the way. It was just amazing. Ryan Hollingshead with the goal uh, on the back post and then put it across Steve Clark. There was just nothing he could do. And again, congrats to to Ryan Hollingshead 35th goal, according to transfer market tying Graham Zussi uh, for the all time lead for an MLS defender in goals scored. Uh, we, we believe we'll go with that being the case. Philly is filling up on Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, you are getting time. to celebrate
1: with shots. I got to work in the morning, so I'm gonna eat things that are orange. I don't have an orange. That would have been better for me. I'm eating Reese's peanut butter cups.
0: I like it. Maybe being
1: L.A.F.C. the Reese's is Houston. No, 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 no,
0: Explain it one or two more times after you eat more Reese's peanut butter cups. No, no, no,
1: no, Well, <laughs> don't don't worry. We had two goals in this game. I got one more left.
0: <laughs> stoppage time. Six minutes of stoppage. Thanks to Steve Clark being down on the ground forever. Uh, And in the third minute, that allowed our buddy, Franco Escobar, to get a yellow card. And uh, the MLS says that the yellow card was for a handball. So, okay, if they gave him the yellow for the intentional handball, he definitely earned the yellow for all of the swears that he said in the face of of, uh, the... Oh, by the way, our referee in this match, Victor Rivas, if you didn't like this referee, according to Major League Soccer, He's the best one we got. He was the MLS referee of the year, folks. So if you didn't like how he did, and I actually don't think he was as terrible, but there were a couple of calls that still leave me scratching my head. This is the best they've got for pro refereeing, folks. This is Victor Rivas. So there you go. Not on Franco Escobar's Christmas card list.
1: I do want to make a comment. You're right about you know him... Um... The thing about him, never mind, you, you weren't right. I'm not saying you're, you're wrong. This is me being really tired. Franco Escobar, did you not learn last season that having a temper is not going to do anything positive for you? Do you all not recall the, uh, the scenario, I believe it was down in Texas, where Franco Escobar flipped the frick out, and then he gets buried in the on the bench? I mean, this is a guy that... You know, we talk about how, like, history has a tendency of repeating itself. and I, I just can't believe, with all the success that he's had, the fact that he's won trophies on multiple teams. Like, he's a good player. But, you know, a 10-cent head in terms of uh, not being able to control his emotions. You see outbursts like that, and it's no surprise to me as to why he's not part of LAFC anymore. We didn't see much of him when he had that massive meltdown. I believe it was in Austin, if I'm not mistaken. I would have to go back to the videotape, but... Franco Escobar, forever black and gold. Thank you, but your temper's doing nothing for you, buddy. Like, it's just, well, last season it didn't, it it was a detriment to us. (laughs) This season, well, thank you. It actually helped us. So uh, control your temper,
0: bud. I would just like to say you started out with the sentence by telling me that I was right. I was very hopeful that there was something I did that I was right. But apparently, I, I don't know what I did. But either way, Philly, we go to halftime, one nothing and it's safe to say that the ace aceh cross to Corey Baird was the only time they really threatened in the half. I mean, that was an absolute... <laughs> Soccer USA, I'm going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, it was an absolute masterclass how on how defense, save for one play by Hector Herrera. Uh, so look, a boring half. I'm assuming Philly. If you want to go over the numbers, LAFC gave Houston the ball a ton of the time. I have no idea what Philly is doing with his camera right now. So if you're watching on YouTube, we apologize. Either way, one nothing at the end of the half. Philly's he's setting up for something. I can tell he's scheming about something. I don't know what's going on, but one nothing in the half, and I mean Philly. My my first note of any consequence in the second half is 13 minutes in when the hustle by Maxime Cropot to tip the ball out of bounds on the sideline rather than it being a corner kick, it, it's the first thing I've got, and then they sub out Corey Baird. That's all I got. Uh, well, what? In the 51st
1: minute, you had a play by my fellow Hoosier, Griffin Dorsey, across into the box. Um uh... Uh, booted completely by Mikael, uh, that was really it. I mean, 55th minute, Denny Bowanga had a shot that was saved by Steve Clark. Uh, he did a good job getting by Aceh Aceh. Uh, so, I mean, that occurred. But when Corey Baird came out, you had a player that was a lot faster than, than Corey Baird. Um, and the idea would have been to play the ball from the back end all across and over the midfield to get it to Corey Baird's replacement significantly faster, somewhat of somewhat of a threat, but there was no threat. Honestly, Houston—they they closed out the half with seventy percent possession scarf. Yeah, you don't have too many teams that maintain that kind of possession on us. And some people would go back there and look at the statistics and go, "Well, you know what was LAFC doing? LAFC was being intelligent, which is what they were doing." So Houston's the t- kind of team that will either dominate possession, which they did. Or, or, or beat you on the counter and let you dominate possession. We let them have the ball as much as they want, and they just kept passing back and forth, back and forth, a tiki-taka, <laughs> and it was really funny to hear Ryan Hollingshead in his yeah. accent refer to it as, uh, well, just go ahead and listen to the interview. They created a lot of brilliant passing, and if you wanted to watch a clinical example of how to pass efficiently amongst your teammates, they did a really good job. But if you also want to show a video of how to pass efficiently and absolutely create garbage for chances, Houston did a really good job at that because they didn't really create any chances. And so, yeah, it was a snooze fest for a good portion of the time. And you said 13 minutes. I don't really have anything interesting until about, well, the 71st uh, minute where you get Aceh Aceh with a yellow card foul on Timothy Jones. Not exactly sure why Herrera was pissed. That foul was pretty obvious. I will say that. And then in the 75th minute scarf, he's down on the ground complaining or doing whatever. And look, all I'm going to tell you, Ace Ace, you were a good player. You had a phenomenal season. But bleaching your hair at this age, you only do it because you're trying to avoid and prevent the fact that you're going gray. Why do I say this? Because I do the same exact thing. I bleach <laughs> my hair because I too am going gray. Embrace it or don't because I sure don't.
0: <laughs> Listen, I've absolutely embraced it, my friend. Started going gray at 23. Haven't changed the thing up here in terms of color, at least to hide the gray. I've done all kinds of dumb stuff with my hair. But that's <laughs> it. Ru- Ruben said it. That's exactly what I was trying to do. Oh, there was Hagrid down there. Hi, Hagrid. Yeah. Uh, look, we got teenage Adebay coming in for Mikael after a concussion in the 62nd minute LAFC with a couple of different chances in the 65th and 68th, especially off of a nice corner kick by Kellen Acosta, who got it to the top of Mario's dome. And then Denis could not put it on frame from that far post. Uh, and then look, I thought the game really was put away. I'll say like, it, look for all of you out there that are Los Angeles Lakers fans, born and raised, and you got to be of a certain age to understand this one. Back in the day with Chick Hearn, when the Los Angeles Lakers were up by a bunch, he would put the game in the refrigerator when the jello's jiggling and the butter's hard. And I thought in the 77th minute, Ben Olson, the coach for the Houston Dynamo, put this game in the refrigerator for LAFC granted we're still only up one nothing at this point but i turned to the people sitting in front of us and i said wow this subs ever since houston brought on ulferson and brad smith byu for amine basi and nelson canones houston lost all sense of attacking and shape and just looked completely lost it was too terrible Terrible substitutions, in my opinion, by Ben Olsen that absolutely took his team out of any rhythm whatsoever. You have Quinones, who was absolutely registered impotent for this entire match, could not do a single thing. <laughs> did you just I'm- say I'm- impotent? I did. He was. I thought, a thought real- we were trying to be family friendly. He was talking double- about boner issues. Wait a minute. You, had- <laughs> you flipped a double bird here, and I'm the problem saying impotent? Uh, either way, sorry, I'm
1: just delusionally exhausted.
0: You've got Aminé Bassi, the team's leading scorer, and you got Quinones, who was incredibly uh, potent on the attack, except for this match. And then after this sub, man, they were done. And we bring on Matty Bogush in the 77th minute, and y'all know what I'm talking about when I say this—the way that Carlos walked off the pitch just felt different. I know Ilya Sanchez had the quote earlier in the week how he didn't see a way that Carlos Vela wouldn't come back and this and that. I don't know, man. We saw Ken the Falconer leave his boots in the middle of the pitch. I wouldn't have been surprised if Carlos Vela, especially after winning MLS Cup next week, doesn't leave his boots on the pitch based on the way he came off Philly. Really.
1: No, it, it certainly felt that way. And it really sounded that way also after th- Steve's interview during the press yeah. conference. Um, we may have just witnessed El Rey's final game, which if you think about it it's, it, it's quite sad, but it doesn't mean like his career is over just yet. We've still got another game. So Carlos Vela can still shine. And nothing to me would matter more than him being the one to propel LAFC to their second straight MLS cup title. The reason why I really want this and obviously the millions and millions would really want this as well is, you know, we talk about how we've taken over Los Angeles, how we are the team in LA, how Carson's not even LA, how Carson's not even existent. They were the last team to go back to back. We do this. We take yet another accolade away from them, But at the same time, we, we're going to witness a big change in our roster next season. No doubt about it. Again, we we, we thought about the cryptic message that Steve said, and it alluded to Giorgio and, and Carlos. But I think Chiqui Palacios is probably going to be a player that's going to get poached by some other big club. He's had a fantastic season. There's no reason why he shouldn't end up going back to Europe. If you remember, he was, uh, he was playing for Barcelona B. Um, Chiqui Palacios, an immense talent. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if we repeat and go back to back, I could care less if we're a sub 500 team next season. I know that's a very bold statement to make. I get it. We want to be consistent and strong and competitive every single season, but I will sacrifice one season for the opportunity to repeat 100%. Would I want to go back to back to back to back? Of course. Because in my brain, in my LAFC heart, I want us to have six MLS Cups to our resume, to find size noisy neighbors down the road. But uh, I'll take back-to-back and a sub-500 season because we're not going to be the same team, folks. We're not going to be the same team at all. Soccer USA has a a really great comment. Move uh, Carson to Catalina Island. Honestly, that's not a bad place to be. Catalina Island FC, it's got a nice little cachet to it. It'd be so much fun taking the ferry over to watch a game. I'd have no problem. I'd rather go to Catalina than Carson, and I'm sure plenty of other people would agree with me as well.
0: Yeah, listen, um, I I have no problem letting you in behind the curtain a little bit here. This is Scarf. Um, Carlos Vela coming off the pitch was really hard for me because – I liken him, and 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 again, you guys know I'm also an unabashed Mets fan, have been my entire life. I liken Carlos Vela to David Wright, and I never thought I would do this. but
1: You can't. Carlos Vela has a title. David Wright doesn't.
0: Yeah, but I, I have a connection that has nothing to do with their way that they played on their respective fields or pitches. My grandmother, Mima, who means the absolute world to me, she passed at 92 years old about 10, 11 years ago now. Her last favorite Met before she passed, she would always talk about David Wright and she would call David Wright her David. And it was like he was part of the household. He was he was one of the family. The way that she talked about David Wright, she just loved her some David Wright, especially when he was in that Team USA jersey for the uh, World Baseball Classic. She loved it. She loved David Wright. And I didn't hear, I didn't think about the connection until I watched Carlos Vela come off. And I just remembered all those phone calls with my dad talking about Carlos Vela. And it's, it's hard for me to talk about right now because he's a player that when he goes, he was my dad's first favorite soccer player. My dad could care less about soccer until we got LAFC. That's the truth. I didn't grow up in a soccer household. And so to watch Carlos come off for me was a little bit of a reminder about my dad and about this club and what it meant to us. And so in the 77th, as Carlos walks off for Matty Bogush, I I did have to take a minute um, because that was just one of those things that that hit you in all the fields, at least for this reason, Philly, it was for all the right reasons because he was coming off as we were up one nothing, but luckily soon to be two nothing because of a Philly own goal.
1: <laughs> no, I, I didn't even realize that. Cause I didn't sit right next to you during the game. Yeah. I was in my seat. You were in your seat. It didn't even dawn on me that that would have even been part of your thought process. I, in a selfish way, you know, was upset as well because to me, we're day oneers, you know, and there's plenty of people also that are day oneers. I mean, we've seen Carlos Vela do some amazing things. Shoot, you and I have had the opportunity to have lunch with Carlos Vela. <laughs> he loves basketball. I can tell you that right now. I didn't realize Lakers. the connection though. He loves Lakers, sure. But then, you know, he's been seen wearing Golden State Warriors garb. He just loves basketball, let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, I didn't realize the story like and the connection. Uh, t- to your dad, and obviously, like you know, not. N- n- I mean, that kind of gets me too. Um, yeah. Now I'm going to think about it in a completely different way. <laughs> but we're not mourning Carlos Vela's departure just yet because obviously, nope. it's this is all speculation. He's got one more game left and we've got one more game left and we have an opportunity to get one more stinking ring out of it. But you said it, there was another opportunity. I was about 10 minutes away from being a profit scarf. I predicted that LAFC would win the game one to nothing. And I was right for, oh, so long. But you mentioned Matty Bogush got subbed into the game. Matty Bogush contributed to the goal. He had a brilliant Crossfield pass into Denny Bowanga yep. Denny during his tra- during his uh his run gets the ball into Chiqui Palacios Chiqui Palacios who up until that point really hadn't come forward often in the game crosses it in and we get an own goal by Franco Escobar and again what's beautiful about that is Franco Escobar. Had something to do for both of our goals. Again, (laughs) if you're just joining us live on this chat right now, the reason that we had that corner in the 44th minute where Carlos had the cross, bounced off Chiellini, Ryan Hollingshead smashes it through is because that corner was conceded by Franco Escobar. And Franco Escobar obviously loved Los Angeles so much (laughs) that he scored another goal for LAFC. And at that point, that's all she wrote. And I'm going to finally eat my last piece of Twix. I'm sorry, Reese's. Why am I doing this? Cuz I don't have any oranges. I don't have any Fanta. No Sun Kisses this is the only thing in my house that's orange. I'm LAFC. This Reese's is the Houston Dynamo. <laughs> we ate Houston for dinner. Woo-ha!
0: <laughs> yeah, and I absolutely love the substitutions by Steve late in the game. Obviously, 77th minute, Matty Bogush coming on, eightieth, eighty-third minute, excuse me. We had a scarf sub. Uh, as Nate the Great, Nathan Ordaz comes on for Kellen Acosta. And what you had with Matty Bogush and Nathan Ordaz coming on is you had young legs out there to keep the pressure on because again, once Houston made those subs, they just looked terrible. Uh, they tried to bring on Kowalczyk for Kataskia, but that didn't do anything. But the biggest play of the match, in my opinion, was in the 87th minute as a, we'll say a soft foul call by Victor Rivas led to a set piece for Aceh Ace, Hector Herrera about 30 yards outside of the goal line just to the right of Maxime Cropo. And this set piece gets played into the box, and it was Ilie Sanchez off the line on a ball that would have absolutely found the back of the net and made for a very nerve-wracking final eight-plus minutes of this match. Last week, it was Timothy Tillman playing a ball off the line. This week, it was Ilie Sanchez playing a ball off off the line and that was a big wake-up call for lafc because that's when aaron long comes in for kike Oliveira after that play and that is the bus that you hear being parked on the pitch at BMO stadium with aaron long coming in for kike philly two massive plays over our last two matches by players being able to keep a ball off the back line
1: no absolutely um I don't really have any other notes uh, no, other sir, than the Gergie
0: Palencia yeah. came in for Timothy Tillman. He they did. Heard, well, I, must, I totally missed that one. The 3252 uh, rolled the TIFO back out. Everybody That's something started I've never seen before. I had never seen that either, but also it was our shield. So it was pretty sick that they were able to roll that out and celebrate winning the Western conference championship with the TIFO back up. You're absolutely right, Philly. There was eight minutes of stoppage time. And as Ryan Hollings had said, it doesn't matter if you have the ball. If you're not doing anything with it, you might as well just take your ball and go home all the way back to Houston. They go LAFC 2 nothing. 367-minute shutout streak for Maxime Cropot. Keep it rolling. Danny Bawanga, six-game goal streak snapped. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's it. Nothing. None, none
1: of this matters. The fact that we didn't pass very accurately, it's 70%. One would argue that that's an epic fail. But who cares? Houston can be credited all they want for having nearly 90% passing accuracy. They didn't do a damn thing. Not a damn thing at all. Go that tiki-taka all you want. Ping, 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 ping. Boom. It doesn't matter. Nothing happened. And with that three clean sheets in the last four playoff games, we're back in the MLS Cup final for the second consecutive season. Freaking phenomenal. And we have an opportunity to go back-to-back, which hasn't occurred in this league since 2011 and 2012. The team prior to that that did go back-to-back, coincidentally enough, was the Houston Dynamo going back-to-back in 2006-2007. Steve Chirondolo has yet to lose in the playoffs. I mean, that by itself is pretty impressive. There was a select portion of y'all out there, not saying anybody who listens to defenders, that were part of this dolo out wagon. Where where do you stand on this now? So many people try to create this this story that, oh, he's losing the locker room. No, Kellen Acosta completely debunked that in the post-game interview when he had mentioned how much the players love Steve. Is a player's coach. I can understand how things could be divisive with Bob's locker room because he was an authoritative figure. Steve's a regular dude. He's chill. Probably the most chill human being I've ever seen met or even been in the same room with in terms of professional sports. And congratulations to him. Just the third coach in MLS history to qualify for the MLS Cup in each of his first two seasons. Um I mean, Bruce Arena and Brian Schmetzer, the only two other coaches to do that. And there was a comment in the chat. Yes, Steve is seven and zero in uh, in postseason matches. So for the Dolo out herd, you should be the ones to take a hike, not Dolo.
0: <laughs> Look, I, I never thought we would say this. We kind of joked about this earlier, but I can't wait to be in Columbus, Ohio, in December. That's going to be a lot of fun. On
1: Columbus, you and I are going to go catch a Buckeyes basketball game at the Schottenstein Arena. And uh, let me remind you all on one more sleep scarf, remind me to tell you a story about the Schottenstein Arena because I have somewhat of
0: a connection to it. But Columbus is a fine town. Don't poo on it. I'm not pooing on the town. I'm pooing on the weather that we're about to experience. Philly, you wore your LAFC parka today for some reason. You got to get that thing in the wash and make sure it's ready to get in your suitcase for December 9th. Everybody, LAFC has a chance to go back to back and win trophy number five in our trophy case. For all of you out there that don't think Supporter Shields a trophy, shut up.
1: Yeah, seriously, shut shut the flip Uh, up. It absolutely is a trophy.
0: I I can't deal with it.
1: All the the teams that y'all root for out there, whether it be in the Premier League or any other league out there, a regular season first place finish is a trophy. Shut the front door and accept the fact that the Supporters' Shield is a trophy. We all started recognizing it. MLS started recognizing it. Yeah, enough of this BS rhetoric that Supporters' Shield doesn't matter. It It does.
0: it's my favorite, especially when the Carson fans talk about oh, supporters' shields not a trophy. All right, then why do you, on your stadium's Ring of Honor or whatever it is there, why do you have all the times that you guys want this
1: portion Either way,
0: irrelevant. No Who reason to be better. No reason to look in the rear view because we are headed straight through the front windshield into Columbus, Ohio, Lower Dot Com Field. Isn't hmm. that just? an inspiring name. I mean, we're named after a bank. I don't know. Either way, it
1: doesn't matter. No, it'll be great. It'll be called buried.com stadium after we kill Columbus.
0: All right, it's going to be a lot of fun. Look, nothing but respect to Diego Rossi and Christian Ramirez. Cucho Hernandez is amazing. We're probably going to do a fun little let's break down the Columbus crew before we play the Columbus crew type thing. Uh, We got a lot going on. We're going to figure out our travel plans. But guys, I can't tell you what it's like to have endured all of the up and the ups and downs that we have with this club. 52 matches, so many chances to win trophies and big games. Just so much going on this season, and yet here we are 90 minutes away on the precipice of going back-to-back back in the MLS Cup Final as champions. Philly... Look, I know you got to call a game in like 17 minutes or whatever. We Not just one, two. (laughs) We are so incredibly excited. I like the idea, Ruben. We may get a super pod going. Let's see if we can throw the bat signal up there and put the band back together. But you guys, for the millions. And millions. I can't wait to celebrate with you all throughout the course of this week the lead-up to MLS Cup Final in Columbus, Ohio, It is going to be incredible watching LAFC hoist the cup. We saw it on BMO stadiums grass. We're now going to see it on lower.com fields grass, and it is going to be a beautiful thing. And like Ruben says, please don't forget to like, to subscribe, turn on notifications, hit the cool buttons, whatever all the cool kids are doing, make sure you do it. We love all of you. Philly, any last words before we end episode 286 of Defenders of the Bank?
1: Fifty three games is what we're going to conclude this season with. And we have done well over a hundred podcasts for you this season. Almost a third of our output in terms of everything that we've done has come this season. And I got to tell you for everybody that has stuck it with us and stuck through this entire season with us, the millions and millions we certainly appreciate and love each and every one of you. We wouldn't be doing this at one thirty in the morning with obligations early the next morning if it wasn't for y'all, the actual defenders of the bank. So from the bottom of my heart, obviously, we still have at the very least two more pods to go. Thank you again for sticking with us. Thank you again for all of your love and support. Thank you to all of you who just stopped by and say hello to us. Want to take a picture with us? Look, we're not egotistical human beings. We're regular people who just happen to drink and know things and people. And and we love all y'all and you've helped us get to the point that we've gotten to. And uh, we, we I, I just, I just want to say thank you for everything. We, we, we love y'all and uh, we're going to be here together for a couple more pods and then we're all going to take a long break from Major League Soccer because it has been a really long season. But when we do, we'll do that with another MLS Cup trophy. And I'm looking up on top of my printer scarf. If you recall, as a trinket gift, we were given an MLS Cup trophy. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the second one up there. And I'm looking forward to seeing another one of these. And we're all going to get to celebrate together one big, happy black and gold family. I love y'all. That is my final thought for today.
0: Just make me buy another kit so I can put a second star on it. LAFC. Let's go. Come on. We got a week left folks in what has been the longest season ever. 2023 LAFC is 90 minutes away from MLS cup championship. And you know how we like to end each and every one of these episodes, all 286 and all 100 or so that we have done here in 2023. Bye-bye.